So, Lily, we've been doing this podcast for like, you know, four years now, and we've had amazing guests, and we've learned some incredible stuff. But there's a whole nother part of this experience I think our listeners are missing out on. Sorry, has it actually been four years? I think it's been three, hasn't it? We've got nearly 200 episodes. Shut up. Okay, cool. And we started pre-pandemic, so yeah, it's four years. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Oh, my God. Okay, right. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. It's the amazing jokes we come up with that don't make the final edit. You know, the outtakes, right? Um, Lily, you, you know, we, we did agree to never, ever, ever, ever talk about those. Some <laughs> jokes just do not deserve to be remembered. <laughs> oh, okay. So you must mean the other thing when we spend a lot of time having that incidental chat and after recording and like swapping advice yeah yeah that you know that thing it's it's usually called coaching or sometimes mentoring and while we do it informally with each other it's something i've been doing professionally for a while now and i've been taking a course in it and i've started coaching a couple of people and i've been doing a talk on this very topic so we thought it would be so great to share some advice here today So today we're going to go deep on this topic and get into some of the details for anyone who might be coaching curious. Let's do it. Hit the music. The Product Experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week on the podcast, we talk to the best product people from around the globe. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and discover more. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium content discounts to our conferences around the world, and training opportunities. Mind the Product also offers free Product Tank meetups in more than 200 cities. And there's probably one near you. Okay, so Randy, before we get stuck into this, like WTF, <laughs> I can't. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? I actually don't know. But what the hell, I'm not going to say the F word. What the hell is coaching? Because... I thought I knew, and then I spoke to a few people, and they thought something different. So let's just get into it. Like, what is coaching? Okay, so there's been a furious debate about this. So last year, I was lucky enough to go to uh, the Silicon Valley Product Group's Coaching the Coaching course here in the UK. And we spent way too long talking about the difference between coaching and mentoring. And I think it means different things in different places, potentially. So coaching formally is something where people get a certification and they don't offer any advice. It is just a reflection of what's going on. It's kind of more like therapy in some ways. You don't tell people what to do. You don't have any opinions whatsoever. Mentoring is where you kind of tell people the benefits of your experience and you tell them potentially what you think they should do. And most of the people who do product coaching do something kind of in between because the people who come to us to to talk about these things, they're coming to a product coach, not a general executive coach or anything like that because they want someone who understands their problems, who's been in these situations. So I don't know. Does that answer the question or does that just make you more confused? (laughs) No, I think it does answer the question um, that it's that kind of combination of sort of classic coaching in the UK as the the coach who's trying to unlock 
certain performance in yourself and help you achieve a certain goal or a certain outcome alongside, like you say, the mentoring, which is the coach bringing their own product experience or business experience to your conversation to enable you to benefit from their their experience and their advice. And then I think the other thing that I find really interesting about this is that it's not training either, although mm. you are likely to learn some kind of specific things to look into rather than like actually be trained in certain frameworks or or methodologies or anything like that. I think the confusion comes from sports metaphors. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're on a sports team, your coach is telling you what to do. And there is the difference between what is, you know, traditionally a certified business or executive coach or a life coach or any of those things versus what we mean by a coach in this specific context. Cool. Okay. And then what I find really interesting is whether there is stigma around getting coached or not. Because in my circles that I hang with, everyone is crying out for a coach and like everyone sees the benefit of it and they want to experience of experience it for themselves. But do you feel, Randy, that there is some stigma around people getting coached? I'm going to give you the terrible it depends answer. And I think it's it really does come across in different situations, different ways. I've met a few people and especially lately, a couple of very uh, people in CPO positions who said told me that they would feel weird asking their boss, asking their CEO for coaching or consulting or support because they believe that the CEO's view of them is that they were hired because they know everything. They should have all the answers. They should be able to do it all straight away with no extra help. And I think it really comes down to the fact that they had low psychological safety in those jobs. They don't have the right relationship with their CEO and they hadn't actually asked their own boss, you know, hadn't asked the CEO or other members of the executive team if they got coached. But there's lots of companies and tons of executives who do get coached for various things, and it's seen as a really positive thing. So it can be hard if you're in a low-trust environment or if you feel threatened to ask that or if you feel perceived about it. I think ultimately the question comes down to for those people – did they hire you because you already have the answers or did they hire you because you can get the answers as quickly as possible? And sometimes that means asking for help on certain things when you need it. What about you, Lily? Have you come across that at all? No, I haven't. I haven't come across it myself, but I can, I can empathize with that situation because I think, you know, sometimes you are, there is an expectation for you to know all of the answers and for you to know how to do everything and you know by the very nature of product management um we have to deal with a lot of ambiguity and so and and a lot of you know change in markets and and all sorts of things so you know we don't always have the un answers and having someone who is a sounding board who is um kind of outside of the organization for you to be able to explore explore topics with, it, I think is a really, really valuable asset. So who gets coached in, in places that you've worked? You've been in startups, you've been in bigger companies. What's the culture of coaching been like? So generally in the businesses that I've worked in, there hasn't really been a sort of official 
coach or anything like that. Occasionally in the startups I've worked in, we've brought in a, a kind of specific like startup expert who's just generally guided the whole team in a particular direction. And I guess sort of coached everyone on more of like a lean startup methodology. Um, so that that was kind of like more specific and more team-based coaching. And then in the last business that I worked, they really promoted a coaching culture. And so everyone was learning to be a coach and also coaching other people in the team. And I thought that was a really, really nice way of ensuring that everyone had that opportunity to experience those coaching conversations, which can really allow you to step back and just unlock your brain in um, mm -hmm. in a different way and in a different mode of thinking so that you're not always, you know, hitting your to-do list and you're, you're kind of taking time to step back and reflect, um, which can be very hard to do in isolation on your own. And often I think we rely on friends or peers to do this with if we like build good relationships in the business. But if you have that really that official kind of coaching session in the calendar, then it can really help to make sure that you're keeping a, a regular sort of check in on like important things that are going to help you grow and also help the business grow. Yeah, that makes sense. Most of the places I've been haven't had that healthy a coaching culture. It's actually one of the things that drove me into it. Um, there hasn't been a lot. There's been a lot of internal mentoring where you sign up to be mentored by another executive, someone a, a rank higher than you in the org chart. But these aren't people who have ever had any training in coaching or mentoring. And ever since I signed up with a, a coach myself, I've understood the to the difference. And that's one of the things that made me want to get back and do it myself. I found myself enjoying the sessions and learning so much from from being coached properly and then when people approached me about doing it, I thought maybe I can give back some of that same experience. So you mentioned training there. Do you think that um, when you're looking for a coach, you should find someone who has some kind of like coaching certification or, uh, or, or training? And, and also, like, how do you find someone? How do you find a good coach? So having spent a lot of time with coaches now, I can say that while there is training and certification available and some people do get it, lots of people don't. And I don't think it necessarily makes them better or worse as a product coach. I think the really key thing is for you to understand what you want out of it and whether you click with that person. So the nice thing is everyone I know offers a taster session. And that taster session is an introduction. It's a getting to know each other. And it's as much for the coach as for the coachee. Because I know when I meet someone, I'm not going to be able to help everyone that I that I meet. And there are different situations that uh, I think someone, they might be better placed with someone else. And I'm very happy to, to recommend other people in the, those cases. Um, I know when I was looking for a coach, I didn't do it on purpose. I did it entirely by accident. It was one of our previous guests, uh, Donna Leeshaw, and I was looking at her site to prepare for, for an interview with her. And I said, oh, my God, this sounds amazing. I think I need this. I've never done this. I've never had this kind of experience before. And I've been with her for, for a good while now, and it's been fantastic. And it was when people approached me after I had seen what a good coaching could be like that I started coaching myself and thought, I can give this back. I can pay this forward. And I'd like to be on the other side of this and, and do it as well.
So one of the things I think people should do when they are thinking about getting a coach is be really clear on what they want to achieve from that engagement as well. Um, So did you, when you started your coaching with Donna, did you have a really clear goal in mind? I did. I felt stuck in certain ways in my career and I wanted to move past that. And I just didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to about it, anyone who had the right combination of experience um, and perspective that could ask me really hard questions and you know, force me to be reflective and take action on things that I had been, frankly, avoiding. Mm-hmm. So it was really fantastic to do that. And the the type of coaching she does with me now has has definitely evolved because I've gotten past that part of my uh, that issue in my career. But now I, you know, I continually have other things, and I'm independent, so I don't have someone I can turn to and and just talk to. I have tons of other coaches I'm friendly with, and we give each other lots of advice. It's fantastic. But uh, sometimes you just need that one-on-one time to be reflective and have someone, you know, just challenge your thinking on something and make sure that you've asked yourself, really asked yourself the hard questions and done what you need to do. Mm. And I think that's the interesting thing, isn't it? The difference between just getting advice from other people and like having a coach. They will help you like really put a plan together which stretches you. They're going to hold you accountable. They're going to help you monitor progress. Whereas a friend is just like, or, you know, a peer is just going to be like, yeah, here's here's some things to go away and think about. And they're not, they're not going to have that follow-up that you get from a really good coach. Or, or they're worried about hurting your feelings or, yeah. or they're on your side. They take you, you know, they, they trust your perspective on things and they're not listening with the same critical ear that a coach might. Um, and there's a thousand other things, little tricks and things that you that you pick up over time of doing this, that you realize there are ways to help people come to a better realization of the situation or just stop avoiding some of the questions they need to ask themselves. But sometimes it's also the other side of, and this is where the mentoring and the, the product background comes in. Uh, sometimes it's, have you heard of this approach? Do you know this way of doing things? Why haven't you tried it this way? Uh, and that stuff really helps us sometimes too. Okay, so what what are some of the characteristics of a bad coach? Like what would a bad coaching experience look like? Okay, so you're asking me this question, but you've actually been doing a talk <laughs> on this. So I'm just going to turn it straight back on you. You tell me what is a bad coach. Okay, so the first bullet point that I have under bad coach <laughs> on my good coach, bad coach slide for my talk um, is brings their own agenda to the conversation. And this was um, when I was doing my coaching training in one of the sort of early coaching sessions that I had. One of the the, the person that I was talking to um, was exploring a problem that they had and it's someone in the team and I basically had all the answers and I knew what <laughs> I wanted them to do. I knew the conclusion that I wanted them to come to. And so I was just leading the conversation in the direction that I wanted it to go. And I thought I was really clever. <laughs> I was like, this is brilliant. I love coaching. I've like totally got what I want out of this. 
um, and then got pulled up on it quite quickly later when I um, spoke to the guy that I was doing the coaching training with. And he was just like, no, Lily, that's not how coaching works. Like <laughs> you are meant to be a neutral party in this kind of dynamic and you're there to support the coachee. You are not there to bring your own agenda to the conversation. And this is one of the ways in which I think managers and, and their team members, like coaching may not work if the manager finds it too hard to be impartial and if they already come to the conversation with assumptions or answers around some of the things and they're not prepared to let the the team members like really explore different options and solutions and come to the answers themselves and, and find their own way through a problem. Well, that's one of the differences between having your manager do the coaching and getting someone independent. It needs to be a really safe space. You need to be able to admit that you don't know something to be vulnerable. And the person who's making uh, remuneration decisions about you or promotion decisions about you, sometimes you just don't want to admit things, certain things in front of them. Mm. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can do that with peers. That's absolutely fine, especially people who might not work at that company. But then potentially you're dealing with sensitive information that shouldn't go outside that company. So finding someone who has that tr is creating that trusted space with you where you can have any conversation, you know, it's not going to leave that leave that space. That can be really critical, too. Mm. As a product leader, you want regular insights about how people are using your product. But when you don't have the capacity for ongoing UX research, where can you turn? AnswerLab is a UX research agency with the expertise companies rely on for scaling user research capabilities and giving actionable user insights. The experienced team of UX strategists, researchers, and research ops professionals bring a human-centered approach to research design, recruiting, and interviewing the right participants, and sharing results with product teams at the world's leading brands. Visit answerlab.com forward slash MTP to learn more and fill in a form for your chance to win a free ticket to Mind the Product San Francisco 2023. Use promo code MTP. That's answerlab.com forward slash MTP. Yeah, and I think the so the the last kind of point on my bad coach list is something that comes from transactional analysis. It's uh, the life positions, and there's these four different life positions of um, I'm okay, you're okay, um, which means that we have a kind of similar power dynamic, uh, or I'm okay, you're not okay, which means I assume power over over you and over the conversation. Or I'm not okay and you're okay, which means I, I assume a kind of, let's just say, subordinate position. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not okay and you're not okay and we're both just like falling apart with each other, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so which is the one, let's just be clear, which is the one you want to be in as a coach? Oh, you absolutely want to be I'm okay, you're okay. So you basically have this kind of unconditional positive regard for your coachee and you believe that they are capable and able like uh, you absolutely believe that they are capable and able of finding their way through to the answer 
um, or, or to the growth and the outcome that they're looking to achieve. And I think this kind of like I've had managers before as well that have been great managers, but they have definitely assumed that position of I'm okay and you're not okay. Like you don't know the answers because you don't have experience or, you know, you are um, not in the same conversations that I am or, you know, you've only just started the in the business or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, I'm a man, you're a woman. That's a classic one. <laughs> um, so uh, in that kind of dynamic, the, the coaching uh, sort of relationship of that sort of manager to team member, uh, again, might not work. But you're, you're saying that you're always assuming that the coachee has the ability to overcome and you're trying to get there, trying to get them there. I've talked to people and, I, and I've been in situations where there, it's just a bad situation. You know, sometimes you have to tell people, it's not you. You're, you're okay. You're just, it's, not, it's not that you're failing at this. It's just that the environment is not set up to, for you to succeed. You're in a bad place. Yeah. Um, so how do you deal with that if with the I'm okay, you're okay? Well, I think that's, that's exactly how you're dealing with it because you're saying that the, the, the kind of, I guess, the answer that they need to come to is one to leave that situation in order to improve. Yeah. But at the same time, I think like them coming to that conclusion themselves is also probably more fruitful than the coach saying, I have come to this conclusion that you need to, to leave the situation. But I found that validating their feeling about it because they just don't know. They've never been let themselves think that it might be anything other than them failing is useful as well. Giving them the reassurance can be useful. I don't want to come out and and be the first to say it or overdo it or tell them to leave a job um, where they need the money or anything like that. You don't know their situation. But helping them to realize it and giving them the support is really critical sometimes and just – yeah, I've I've been with people who who've cried on me, and it's absolutely fine because they were admitting to to problems and faults. And I've had to tell them in in some cases, you're making all the mistakes that someone doing this for the first time should make. It's not your fault. It's okay. You're actually handling it quite well. But these are mistakes that you know no one's you've never seen this done before. No one was around to help you, and. There's no way to avoid some of these, you know, you, until you've got a few reps in, until you learn to recognize some of these situations, these things might happen. Fortunately, in th these cases, it hasn't been that bad, but it has been really, really uh, useful for the person to understand, you know, what their situation is, what if, if they can change it or what the dynamics are of it and understand, you know, what they can control, what they can't control, what they and what they should do next. Uh, yeah. which is something that obviously they have to make the decision on. Yeah. And I think this is, so one of the people that I coached recently, uh, they were a BA and they wanted to work in product management. And in the very first session that I had with her, I just asked her like, why haven't you applied for any product management roles? And that was literally like, we had a few more sessions but really that was the only question that I needed to ask her to unlock a part of her brain and a part of her thinking that was like, oh yeah, why haven't I 
applied for any roles. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of what you're saying. Like sometimes you need, you just need a coach there to be able to say like, what can you do in this situation? And for the coachee to be like, actually, there isn't anything I can do in this situation. And for that to be a kind of valid response. Okay, so how long should I be coached? And what does an engagement look like? Oh, God, that all depends uh, as well. So sometimes it's as little as, you know, a couple of months, two or three months. I don't think less than three months really works, but I've seen it done when there's limited budget available. And that's just to make sure you get the full value of it. You get the, the full lay of the land. You understand the, the uh, for the coach to really understand the problem and the attitude and what's going on uh, and to potentially get over a hump. But you can have an ongoing relationship for years, potentially, if that's what you need. And sometimes that'll mean you'll dial up or dial down the number of sessions you have. But sometimes if you are in an in a role where you don't have anyone else at your level in the organization, you just need a safe space to try some things out and to hear you, whether it's to hear yourself say it out loud, whether it's for someone else to sense check things, uh, just to ask you some critical questions and double check things to check your thinking on things and your assumptions. There's all kinds of different things that it can be. So there's no specific limit, but I'd say the more senior you are, the more ongoing it is, the more junior you are, it might be about specific things that you're trying to achieve in the short term. Okay, so when should I not bother with a coach? I think fundamentally, it's if you're not willing to put the work in. If you're not really interested in it, then then it's you're not going to get any value out of it. You have to decide that this is something you want to do, that you're going to bring yourself and spend some time on it, that you're going to be honest, and that there are things you want to work on. I've definitely met people who think they know everything and are only there because their boss told them to be there. And they just complain about other people being wrong. And I, I can't help somebody like that. Maybe there are coaches who can, but uh, I don't think that's someone who's open to coaching. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. Okay, so let's talk about the actual coaching session. What do I talk about in the coaching session if I'm just like starting out with coaching? Like, how do I prepare for that session? Um. So for the first session, the way I do it is I ask people a few questions in advance. I ask them, describe the situation you're in now. Describe uh, what it is you're trying to achieve. Tell me how, how you'll know that you've achieved it, what success looks like, and tell me what will happen if you don't hit that success criteria. And that really helps me understand what it is that the situation they're in and where they want to go. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I think if you have like an idea of what you want to achieve, like you say, then um, also a good coach will be able to kind of pull out uh, the key areas to really dive into. So having like a clear goal in mind, um, but being sort of open to exploring that goal and, and the different topic areas with your coach is really important. I've also had situations where I myself as a coachee or as a coach, where either I show up or someone else shows up with nothing specific on their mind. They're, they just haven't had the time to sit and think. They're all jumbled up from jumping through, uh, from back and forth from meetings and changing context. And the first 20 minutes of a session sometimes is just the person, the coachee babbling and just getting a bunch out and giving a quick update. And it's 
the active listening that the coach does and the fact that the person is talking to figure things out that sometimes it says, oh, that's interesting. Let's talk about this. Let me, let me ask you about this. Is this something you want to spend time on? Or I'm hearing I'm hearing something. Is this something that's bothering you or a, ch a challenge for you? Uh, and sometimes those turn into the best sessions because the person, it's something that's been percolating in the back of their head and they didn't quite face up to it at first. Now, if I ask somebody that question, they don't always want to talk about it. They might not be ready. It might not actually be something that's uh, that important to them, but it was a minor irritation. They just had to get it off their chest. That's cool too. But uh, yeah, you don't always have to come in with something that you're actively trying to fix, uh, that you spent a lot of time on. It's really helpful if you have, if you've done the, the pre-work, but if not, it can be a good session anyway. And you mentioned active listening there. I think there's some other elements of uh, the coaching session, if you break it down, asking questions, a, a kind of assessment of the situation and setting targets and then monitoring progress um, are all kind of like key components of that coaching mm. session. And I think what I really like about that list is it really aligns with what product managers do um, on a day-to-day -day basis in their work. And I think this might be one of the reasons why uh, product managers make really great coaches and also why they respond really well to coaching because we're used to thinking in those kinds of frameworks and we're used to operating in that kind of way of like, you know, really digging into a topic. Yeah, it's it's fantastic because, uh, you know, my favorite of the coaching frameworks is the GROW one. Uh, and that stands for setting a goal, uh, understanding what the reality is of the situation is, exploring the options, and then saying, okay, based on those options, what are you going to do next? And it's really just a discovery and prioritization discussion boiled down into four components. And it's just a really good way. Uh, you, sometimes I do it without thinking about it or the subject, the, the person I'm talking to doesn't even realize I'm leading them on that, that structured conversation. But it just helps them organize their thoughts in an amazing way. You've got a couple of other frameworks that, that you've been introduced to, though, Lily. Can you give us a quick uh, update on those? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of um, coaching frameworks out there. And I am definitely not an expert. Um, but I'm sure with a little bit of Googling, you'll be able to read about Oscar, O-S-K-A-R, Stepper. S-T-E-P-P-A. Obviously, they all stand for something or other. Um, <laughs> and then Clear. Clear, I think, is one of the ones that looks sort of most similar to what I've learned, uh, which is contract, listen, explore, action and review. And the one that I've learned is the the C-E-E-S framework um, from withdiversity.com. So that's clarify, energize, encourage and stretch. Um, and I think these are just really useful tools for the coach to ensure that all of those different areas of like the, the kind of the active listening assessment, setting targets, monitoring progress, all of those are covered off and, uh, and the coach is kind of given the best possible opportunity to succeed in the, the goals that they're targeting. Okay, so let's do a couple more rapid fire things to wrap this up. So if you're interested in coaching... How can you find a coach? 
I think I would probably start with just reaching out to your network and asking for recommendations. There are certainly lots of coaches who write a lot of content as well um, on mindtheproduct.com and <laughs> also um, do a lot of talks. So I think if you keep an eye out for content like that, that you find inspiring um, and engaging, then, you know, you can see if if that coach is available. And I think, Randy, you said it before, but if you get into like a coaching network as in if you reach out to a coach and they're not available or that engagement doesn't work out they're highly likely to have other coaches that they would be able to recommend for you but I don't I I actually haven't had to look for a coach myself so um, I'm not sure exactly how difficult that is. Well there's a million people out there who call themselves product coaches, and I'm not going to judge any of them because I don't have experience with with them. Uh, But I don't know if Googling is the best possible way. In fact, I've never Googled product management coaches until tonight before we recorded. (laughs) And I I just, I would have no way of of understanding if those people are good or not, uh, just because they're on the front page of of the search results. Um, What I will say is anyone who does it that I know offers a free taster session. It's as much for the coach as for the coachee. Evaluate more than one coach. Uh, talk to a few different people and just get a feel for what it might be like. Warm referrals, referrals from people who have been coached is absolutely brilliant. Um, if you have no idea where, where to get started, please do feel free to get in touch with me through the Coaching the Coaches sessions from Silicon Valley Product Group. I've got the most amazing network of coaches. I'm very happy to refer to other people in that community. They're all brilliant and wonderful. So yeah, there's a lot out there. And Lily, I'm not sure if this is one that uh, you're you're ready to answer. How much should I expect to pay for a coach? Ooh, uh, so I would say probably anywhere between 100 and like 500 pounds for a session. What's your take on that? Yeah, to a certain degree, it's you get what you pay for. But there are very different scales on this. Uh, And there are different attitudes that different coaches have. I would say that if you can get work to pay for it, it's probably the best thing to do. And do try and do that. Uh, You can absolutely pay out of pocket if you want. There are some coaches who will not take people who pay out of pocket because they feel like it's in the the wrong interests. Uh, There are some who will only take out of pocket. There are coaches who will give different prices based on whether you're working for, you know, a big corporate versus a pre-seed startup or if you come from a a less well-funded country where your salary might not be in the same range as, say, Silicon Valley. So don't be afraid to ask, but I'd say, yeah, anywhere between 100 and 500, whether it's dollars, pounds, or euros for a session, is probably a typical range from my experience. Okay, so if everyone's been listening to this and now they're like totally inspired and also they want to become a coach, how do they do that? You know, Lily, we're about out of time. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) seriously, we, we have covered everything about getting coached and finding a coach and what you should expect in this in this episode. I think we'll have to do another one about becoming a coach because I've talked to so many people about it. I will say if it's something you're interested in, it is a hugely rewarding experience, but that's something we'll cover on another day. Well, Randy, I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you about coaching. And 
I look forward to our chit chat after the session <laughs> where you get to coach me because <laughs> you love it. Is it your turn or my turn? I can't remember. <laughs> uh, no, it's been fantastic. And yeah, I hope everyone else has enjoyed this chat and see you next week. See you next week. The Product Experience is the first and the best podcast from Mind the Product. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Lou Ron Pratt is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg based band POW, that's P A U. Thanks to Arnie Kittler, who curates both Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and who also plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. You can connect with your local product community via Product Tank, regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, maybe you should think about starting one. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. <laughs>